can take one. Check one, check two. Hello, check hello. Three. <laughs> just pull it up here. Do you want to use this for the timer? Sure. Can everybody hear? Yeah. Good? I know, We're, whoa, it's a little loud. You want to sit back here? I don't know, I just want to see the Bears time. Dynamics right here at work. We'll check in. Yeah. Here, I'll sit next to you over here. There we go. She wins. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Jeff Childs. Some of you know me. Some faces I don't know. That's exciting. This is my wife, Jen. And tonight we get to share about generosity. Um, thank you, Janine. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, sound crew. All the folks, you know, who are putting efforts into making these midweeks great. So it's really encouraging just to be here and, and to worship with all you guys. Um, and, just, and just to be able to share with my wife tonight. Very encouraged about that. Um, so... Tonight, we're gonna to talk about generosity. As you guys know, like the last, uh, I don't know, few weeks, we've been focusing on deeper relationships, biblical relationships, uh, discipling relationships, um, and, and going deeper in our relationships. And we've heard some lessons on that. Uh, and, and fast forwarding, I guess, to January, uh, the Rewinding. beginning. Oh, I'm really loud. Can you what? turn me down, Mike? <laughs> Rewinding. Rewinding, yes, thank you. Uh, to, to January. This class is about marriage, actually. Um, no, re rewinding to January, we, a couple folks, um, some, some family group leaders in the in-town ministry went on a leadership retreat, and we just got together and we were like, what, you know, what do, what do we want our theme to be? What kind of things do we want to focus on? And uh, um, Jackie did an awesome job leading this big whiteboard session where we all just sort of jotted down tons and tons of ideas. Uh, and one of the things was like things we want to focus on as a ministry and things, we, things that are on people's hearts to focus on. And out, out, out of that came about six different subtopics. The general theme being, you know, don't conform, be transformed, Romans 12, 1. We've been, you know, hearing a lot about that. But then also like more specifically, how, what, in what areas could we grow in being transformed uh, and allow God's spirit to transform us, allow God's mercy, as the scripture says, to transform us. Um, and some of these things came out like deeper biblical relationships, you know, not conforming to the world's pattern of relationships, but, you know, conforming to the scripture's pattern of relationships. Uh, and then another one was, um, well, the exact title we gave it was um, money, possessions, and generosity. So that being sort of the next subtopic that we're diving into tonight. So tonight we'll sort of dive in and, and I guess open up this, this new theme. Um, how can we be transformed in the way that we give our money, in generosity, in the way that we view money, our finances, our giving, things like that. And, and next week in our family groups, we'll sort of continue to explore this topic. So does that make sense? Yep. Awesome. Did, I, did I get that mostly? Okay. Um, so tonight, the, if you're not there already, in Matthew 6, 19, I appreciate Janine for reading that, uh, we're gonna focus specifically tonight on, on generosity. So. One of the things that Jesus says here, I mean, he says a lot of incredible things in this passage, right? There's, it's so full. I mean, we could focus on a lot of it, right? Um, but one of the things that he says that really st strikes me every time is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And a, a question I wanna put forward to the group tonight is what do you treasure? What do you value? Another word sort of for treasure. And, and how can we tell? You know, how can we tell that our treasure is, 
is on earth versus our treasure being in heaven. Um, we won't be able to tell you definitively tonight how you can tell, but just some, some convictions that we've built uh, through, through this scripture, through other scriptures, and, and, and even some practicals that have helped us along the way to try to put our treasures in heaven as opposed to treasures on earth. And we are struggling mightily, um, but just some things that have really helped us. And I don't know if you guys have heard this, but you might have heard that it's said that you can anticipate what a person values by what they spend their money on. Right? I've also heard it said, like, if you looked at somebody's bank account and went through their bank statement, you could probably sort of divine, like, oh, they sort of care about this, or they sort of value that. I don't think it's like uh, a pure litmus test, like, oh, whatever's on your bank statement, oh, you must, you must really value, you know, doing your laundry since you went to the laundromat. But I, obviously it's true because you do value clean clothes. But <laughs> I think it's, it's something worth, it's, it's sort of an interesting thought experiment. If you think about your budget, if you think about your finances, if you think about your credit card statement, what might that say about you? Yeah. What might that say about what you value? And uh, if, you, if you don't mind pulling up that PowerPoint slide. So I don't know if all of you recognize this logo, but um, I, was, I was looking through my credit card statement and this appeared a few times. <laughs> um, if you're not familiar with it, it's REI. Um, I think it stands for Recreational Equipment Inc or something like that. It's basically a bunch of sweet outdoor gear, uh, backpacking, bikes, you know, um, and, and the works. To me, it's sort of like um, my trouble zone, you know? It's, it's, I really value the outdoors, I love being outside, and so to me, REI is like, oh yeah, like, I'm, I'll, I'll buy there, I'll spend whatever there. Um, Jen will tell you, like, I'm, I'm sort of a, a very rigid about our budget, <laughs> like, viewing each and every expense that, every dollar that we spend, I, I look at and review and consider. But when it comes to REI, I'm like, that's, eh, you know, <laughs> that's not such a big deal. If you go to the next slide though, so this would be more Jen, you know? Jeff's, um, Jeff's impression of my spending. Yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> well, no, like it's clear, like if you look at the credit statements, like Starbucks, 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 anthropology. Um, but, you know, it, it shows, in all seriousness, like Jen, she does love coffee, but she also values relationships. And so she's always going to Starbucks to like, you know, hang out with people um, and she buys coffee, you know? And uh, she's also, you know, very beautiful. So she needs some, some good clothes. And um, every once in a while, you know, there's that anthropology item, which is, which is awesome. So you look great. So. Um, and so sort of the point being like, you know, the things that we value, the things that we treasure, we're, we're generous toward, right? Yeah. We're, we're open-handed towards the things that capture our hearts. Like, it just, it just sort of flows out of our hand. Um, it's, it's not hard, it's not challenging, you know? It doesn't, oh, it's, it's, it's not difficult because our heart is there. So mm -hmm. sort of with, with what Jesus was saying, our heart and our treasure go, go hand in hand. And it's, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this as well, but Jesus talks a lot about money. <laughs> Like, I, I read this statistic, or Jen shared this statistic with me. 11 of the 39 parables uh, are about finances, or about money in some way. 11 of Jesus' 39 parables. So, okay, like, a quarter. Um, that's, that's something I think we should pay attention to. And even in this passage, he lays out two different choices of worship. He says we can serve God or we can serve money. Like... <laughs> or mammon, I think, is, is from the translation. Um, 
And, and I think Jesus knows that because he knows us and he knows that our hearts can be deceitful. Yeah. You know, he knows, that our, he knows that we get lost. He knows that Satan knows how to, to get us lost in the wilderness of the world, putting our, putting our desires in other things. Um, but a question to consider, you know, how are you doing? Are we serving God or money? When it comes to your money, what are you generous toward? You know, what, what are you open-handed toward? What, what kind of things sort of just flow out of your hand and, and, and it's where your heart is? You know, and I think these questions are important and we're gonna explore them some tonight, but there's really absolutely something that needs to come first before we go there. And, and I think if we don't see this thing, then it doesn't matter what we do or we don't do with our money. Um, and that is, I think we need to see God. Yeah. You know, we need to see God and we need to see the fact that he's generous. You know, we need to see him in his generosity. And our, our theme scripture begins in Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy, offer, yeah. right? So the first thing is in view of God's mercy. It's, yes. and I think it's so critical that if we, when we talk about generosity, we can't skip over this. We can't, we can't just like brush it to the side. It's, it's not in view of generosity, be generous. It's not in view of the church or even one another, be generous. It's, it's not in view of the needs or in view of tithing, be generous. It's, it's in view of God's mercy. It's in view of God. And I think when we have our, our eyes on God, that's where the heart transformation happens. You know, it's where we're, when we're seeing God, when we're having our eyes on him, then we become transformed. And, and it would be a mistake, I think, for us to start with talking about generosity, like, oh, you know, here's the things we gotta do. You know, we gotta do these things. We gotta be generous, right? Like, God says so, you know, and he does. But, but, but what comes first? And it, consider Romans 8 and verse 32. This is my favorite scripture in all the Bible. Paul says, he who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also along with him give us everything else? And just like thinking about that for a minute, like God did not withhold his son from us. Now, I was thinking like, what, you know, I have a two-year-old, some of you know her, June, she's pretty crazy. But in two years, like she has commanded and captured our hearts. Like she has us, you know, like we, we play so much value with her. You know, she's quickly become like such a, such a valuable person to us. And, and the idea of giving up, like it, Mike, for example, if I gave my daughter up for you, bro, if I was like, here, I'm sacrificing my, I don't know how that would work. I don't want to think about it. But if I gave her up for you, how would, how would that make you feel? What would that tell you about your value to me? <laughs> it's crazy, right? It's like, it's like, whoa. Um, but that's what the scripture says. That's what Jesus did. That's what God did. He didn't withhold his own son. And I think we have to see that that he was so generous with us because he values us. He was so generous with us because we are his treasure, because he has placed his treasure and his value with us. And we sort of scratch our heads and ask ourselves, why is that? Why would, why would God's treasure be with me? You know, we sort of see our imperfections and our problems, you know? But the fact remains, God has done this thing. He has given up his son for you. Obviously that says something incredible about you. God is saying something incredible about you, that he values you that much. And we can't miss this. I mean, it's a secret, but it's not a secret. <laughs> God values you. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you are where his treasure is. And, and, and I think, at least in my own heart, sometimes I put God to the test, like, nah, God, that's not really true. And it's like, it's time to stop putting him to the test. You know, it's, he cares about you. He loves you. The depth of his love cannot be measured. Um, you know, in the scripture, it was like, okay, I gave you Jesus. How, how will I not also give you all, all everything else? Like, it's abundant. It's, oh, it's over the top. It's everything. And maybe tonight you're wrestling with believing that God values you, believing that you're treasured. And I, I implore you to wrestle, to wrestle more, to really pursue this in scripture, to study it out, to talk to other people about, about it. Because if you don't really understand that, then you don't really understand how he treasures you, how he values you. It's like, how are you gonna value him? You know, how are you gonna treasure him? And he also says it in, in Matthew 6, 26, are you not much more valuable than they? You know, he's talking about the birds here, but Jesus is sort of like, guys, duh, like you, you're more valuable than the birds, okay? Stop doubting, you know, stop worrying about whether, where your next meal is gonna come from. Do you realize how valuable you are to God? How much he cares about you? So God values us. Wrestle with that. Let that sink in. Believe that. Jesus commands us in, in Matthew 6, 20. You know, I guess the next question would be, what else does he value? You know, he values us. What else does he value? And in 6, 20, Jesus says, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so the question is like, what, what should that look like exactly? When it comes down to it practically, like, okay, God values me. I'm, I'm understanding that. I'm believing that. I'm really trying to value God. I'm trying to put my treasures in heaven. What does that look like? How do I do that? And how do I do that when it comes to my finances? What are the investments of heaven? Is sort of another way to look at it. How do I invest in heaven versus just investing in a 401k, which is not bad, I do it. I mean, I sometimes wrestle with it myself, but it's like the company's like, here, here's free money. And you're like, okay, I'll, you, you'll match that? Anyway, cipher topic. But, but what are the investments of heaven? And, and I think some things that have stuck out to me in scripture, and I implore you to study this as well over the next few weeks, like we'll, we'll explore this together. But Jesus obviously values the kingdom. Um, Matthew 13, 44, he talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And, and this guy, when he found it, he sold everything he had and he bought, and he bought that field. And then the next parable, he talks about this, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who upon finding one pearl of great value, same thing, he went and sold all he had and he bought it. So obviously in scripture, there's this incredible value Jesus places on the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We also see that he values the poor and needy and the marginalized. You just have to turn your page back one to Matthew five to see him talking about that in the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are they, right? Um, he also values the spread of the gospel. What were his last words in Matthew 28? Like, you know, this great commission, like he, he values that the gospel would move throughout the earth. And, and I, I think our question for us tonight is, do we also value these things? And specifically, how is our giving aligned with helping the poor? How is our giving aligned with advancing the gospel? How is our giving aligned with, you know, building up the church and advancing the kingdom? Because finance is just one part, right? But it is a part. It is a part of what we have and what we can give. And, and I think it's challenging sometimes. I've had the heart where, you know, we're part of this in-town ministry and it's sort of unique, right? Because we're down here and North River's our, our main church body and they're up in Marietta. But my ministry is here 
And so when I give to North River, like, where does that money go? I've wrestled with all these questions. I've had many conversations with folks in this room about things like this. And, and I think there's a, there's a lot there to, to go into and discuss, but I think some, sometimes what I hear and what I feel in my own heart is this idea of like, well, what am I getting out of it? Right, like, what am I getting? Like, okay, I'm gonna give, but how does this gonna benefit our ministry? And, and though that may be altruistic in a way, I think that there's a heart there that is sort of like a bit self-serving, right? And I think the question is not what I can get out of it, but it's about what God values. You know, and, and one of the things that encouraged me in the past and, and over the years as we've sort of worked and, and helped build this ministry is, you know, when I give my money, like I see people coming to Christ. I see the gospel being spread. I see that money being distributed to the needs in the church. You know, I see all these things that we're talking about, like the kingdom advancing. And that really encourages me. You know, when I pick up the, the newsletter at North River and I see like the baptisms throughout the week, I'm like, hey man, like that's, I don't know how much of my money goes to that, but I know someone's salary is being helped, you know, uh, and, and they're able to go out and, and, and advance the gospel in that way. And that really encourages me, you know, and it, it inspires me that, that North River is using our money in ways that God would value, you know. And, and the future is yet unwritten. Will we be our own church one day and in town and, and we figure out what our money goes to? Perhaps, you know. But today, it's, that's not exactly the case. And I think to be able to give and, in a way that you could see uh, the values of God expressed yes. is very exciting and very encouraging. I'm, I'm a little quieter now. Good, okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe still a little too loud? Does it feel loud? You sound great. Okay, just feels loud. Um, well, so, okay, so we see God's generosity and then we just open our pockets and we're the best givers in the world and, you know, we're perfectly generous on every occasion. Well, unfortunately, that's not what happens in my heart. And so, you know, I think it's important for us to think about the things that really hold us back and what stands in the way of us um, imitating God's heart of generosity. And it is um, interesting because Jesus, um, what I saw quoted when I did my research is that he mentions money more than heaven and hell combined. You know, like he was, re he talked about money. And um, I think we're gonna get to that later, but we need to be talking about money among each other. If that's what Jesus talked about, we need to be talking with each other. Um, there, and I think most of the times he mentions it, it's in the context of warning us <laughs> about it. And um, Solomon, you know, one of the wisest men and very wealthy in Ecclesiastes 5, this is one of my favorite scriptures, uh, a warning to me in my heart, whoever loves money never has money enough. Paul warns us in 1 Timothy 6, people who want to get rich will fall into a trap. And it talks about plunging men into ruin and destruction. He goes on to say, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It can cause us to wander from the faith. And then of course, Jesus in Luke 18, he's talking to the rich young ruler and he comments to his disciples when the man walks away sad, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. And um, it's easier for a camel to go through this tiny city gate, you know, that's an impossible task. It's easier for that to happen than for the rich man to enter the kingdom. Um, and, and let me just pause for a second there and make the point that we are all wealthy in this room, okay? Now, you may not feel like your bank account is generous or that you've got all this surplus, but 
Take yourself out of this country and go to how 95% of the world lives and you are wealthy. If you are living on government food stamps here in America, you are wealthy by the world standards. And so we just need to have that in our minds too, because it's hard. I think living in America, we just are, everyone's always looking up. And so you go, well, I don't know what that person has. And so I'm struggling here, you know? And I think we all need to really own it in our hearts that we, ha- we are living in plenty in America. I mean, America wastes more than any country. It spends more than any country. It consumes more than any country. And we are all part of that culture. So I think also we just can't have ourselves be deceived and like, oh no, the rich. Okay, so the people who are in the mansions in Buckhead, you know, oh, that's gonna be hard for them. No, God is talking to all of us. It is hard for us to enter the kingdom of heaven because of our wealth. So I think we need to, that's a whole separate topic though, but I won't go too far down that rabbit hole. And of course in Matthew 6, like Jeff said, you cannot serve both God and money. And in all of these scriptures, it's really interesting. Um, It's, God doesn't say that money is the problem. He says the love of money is the problem. And in Matthew 6, he goes on to talk about the eye being the lamp of the body. And, how what we allow to come into us, that's the problem, you know, what feeds us. And I just think, again, in our our society today, I think is more plagued by this than any other time in history. One, living in the US um, and having access to consume and to money and to decide what we do with our wealth. We're not just trying to like, you know, buy some bread for today to make it through. You know, we have this excess to deal with, but then, what we're being inundated with on a daily basis. I mean, that's again, a whole nother topic of, you know, the way the world is affecting us and the message it's sending us about what makes us valuable. You know, um, I love getting my anthro catalog and I'm just like, yeah, oh yeah, this is such beautiful stuff, you know? (laughs) And oh, if my house looked like that. And you know, it's there, it's right there at our fingertips all day, billboards, everywhere, we pick up your phone, you're on social media, that's a whole different thing too about what it makes us think about what values us and how many likes something can get. Um, But then, you know, then you have an ad every two minutes, like consume this, consume this, you should have this. Um, Again, that's a whole separate, like what the world is telling us, the messages it's sending us about what makes us valuable, what will make us happy. Um, And so I think that just, we can't be deceived that this is not our battle. This is each one of our battles. And um, none of us is immune to it, none of us. And I think if we don't feel the battle, I mean, Jesus said how hard it is, you know? Like this should be a hard thing for us to overcome. And I think we need to feel that struggle in a sense of not that, I think if we're not, if I'm like, oh no, I don't struggle with that. I'm feeling good. I'm like, oh, I think, I think Satan's already got you there. You know, like we should, we should feel this inner like, oh man, I want these things and I feel that, but what does God really value? Or I want more of this, but you know, what, and this I think translates beyond just our finances into a lot of areas. Um, but I think we have to just really pray to see this clearly. Um, one of the, the points in, um, we were listening to a sermon about generosity and one of the points he, you know, we got this idea of value and he went through just all the kinds of things that make him feel valuable. And so I was thinking like, okay, what are the things that make me feel valuable? You know, it's 
achieving a certain, and I encourage you to go through the thought process yourself. And like Jeff said, you can look at your bank account and kind of get some ideas about what you do with your discretionary spending, you know, where that's spent and why do you spend, why, you know, let's say you have $100 at the end of the month that you can do whatever you want with, what would you spend it on? And that can kind of lead us towards like, okay, what, what makes me feel valuable? What do I think is, and will enrich me or enrich my life or advance me in some way? And um, so for me, it's having that certain life, you know? It's looking a certain way, having the experiences that I think are cool, you know? Or, um, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think it comes out on Instagram too or social media if you have that, you know? Like what you like to present about yourself. Um, I think you could take a look at that and it's kind of a gauge too. Um, but I think just we have to remember that Satan is vying for our attention in this way and is fighting for it every day. And I think we need the scriptures to help us. And I encourage you to have your, your scriptures that are your arsenal against this struggle. You know, like I, that Ecclesiastes 5 one gets me every time because I feel that bottomless pit of appetite for more. You know, I feel that whoever loves it never has it enough, you know, and okay, well, when I was a student, I couldn't wait to get out and have my first job. And then, you know, then I got money, you know, and then I can do what I want to do and, you know, whatever. And then it's like, okay, well, and then I had some financial constraints because I was going back to school and doing, okay, well, but when I get that first job out of grad school, then we're going to have, you know, now it's like, oh, when Jeff gets that next bump, you know, or maybe a bump in his salary, then we'll really have, it's just always there's more and more and more and more. And you're always looking to the next thing. And, and I rarely feel a true sense of contentment. Like I, I don't need anything else. I don't want to desire anything else. Um, so I think we, we need each other to help us. You know, we need to talk about it. Jesus talked about it, like I said. We need to have our scriptures that help correct our hearts and align us back with what Jesus values um, so that we can really fight off Satan's attacks on us. Um, and then I also, it was funny, as I was, we were working on this lesson, um, like this afternoon, I was putting some of the final touches on it, and I, <laughs> I got this alert, because um, we decided to start looking for a house, <laughs> and right in the middle of doing this, I get this alert about this house, and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, and then I'm like totally sidetracked, <laughs> like looking at the house, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like texting our realtor, because it like, just come on, 10 minutes before, onto the, you know, website listing, and um, and so then right there, I'm faced with the same struggle, right? Right in that moment. Is it evil to buy a house? No. Is it evil for my house to look nice? No. But is that where my heart is? Is that what I love? Is that what I treasure? Is that what I'm gonna invest in and fight for and spend all my energy on, you know? And I mean, Ecclesiastes has a lot of cool points about like, God has given you money to enjoy. Enjoy money God has given you, you know? Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but I think that it's where our hearts go in that. And we have to keep that in check. Um, and that will help us navigate it. Yeah, that's great. Um, so some ways that Jen and I have protected our hearts um, on this, you know, from, from the love of money, uh, which, you know, as she said, <laughs> we're really wrestling with this on a daily basis. You know, I work in big four uh, accounting firm, corporate America, and it's always like, you know, the, you know, climbing that corporate ladder. You know, so I feel this every day. It's like, well, 
wow, look at his car and look at that house. And, you know, it's, it's all around me. Um, I look at the house, he looks at the car. Yeah, I look at the car. We struggle with different things. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and, and I think to Jen's point, it's like, I can't be ignorant of this. I can't pretend like it's not there. I can't pretend like this isn't a battle for me. I can't, because if, if, if I'm there, then, you know, Satan is, is winning, you know. Um, my heart is starting to, to be here and, and to be in this world. And in some ways, you know, I, it's funny, I think, like, I really haven't personally talked about, you know, I guess in some marriage counseling, perhaps, we talked about our finances and, and things that we give. I try to talk regularly to girlfriends, like, how do you guys think about, you know, other couples in yeah. similar situations? Well, maybe trying to get a sense me. of how they budget or how they think about buying a house, whatever, those kind of things. Yeah, it's, I, I think there's like a, a sense that, at least for me, and maybe maybe it's a, a, a cultural thing in our ministry or in our church that it's like, yeah, we don't talk about that. Like, we're, not talking about, we're not talking about what I give, you know? We're not talking about, like these things are off limits. And that's kind of odd, right? Because our whole life is following Christ, all of us, everything. And so why, where, why would anything be like sort of taboo or off limits or something we don't talk about or something we don't help each other with? You know, and especially if Jesus talked so much about it, and, and some specifics for us, I guess, things that we've done that have been helpful, because to Jen's point, like, I'm not always just like, man, I, I want to give my money away. Like, <laughs> I want to give it all away. Like, I want to give it to the church. I want to give it to you. You got a need. I want to give it. You know, there's some things that motivate me to give, um, but I, I don't always feel like inspired and really fired up about giving my money to the church. I'm like, I don't know where it goes. Like, you know, this is a parking lot. Like, that's not very exciting, you know? Um, and so sometimes it can be hard, right? And so there's things that we've done uh, just practically in our budget. You know, we, we sort of agree and talk through an amount that we want to give, um, a percentage of, of our income. And we sort of review it every once in a while, but we don't change it, you know? And I know different people are in different situations with like variable income. Um, we have some of that situation, but for the most part, it's like, okay, that comes off the top. You know, it's like, it's swept over here. You know, this is what we give to the church. And, uh, and then we also have um, a portion of our income that we give to uh, the poor and needy. Uh, there's, a, there's two nonprofits that we really believe in that, um, that we give to, and then sort of some others that it's sort of like as needs come up, you know? Um, and, and it's really fun because, because we're putting in sort of a, a month-to-month kind of fund, if you will. If something bigger comes up, we're able to like, we're able to do something, and it's really a lot of fun. Um, and so that's sort of way, like, just structurally, we've just built it into our budget, so it's there. You know, I, some, I think budgeting is sometimes difficult. Um, I didn't really have a budget until we were married. Um, but it's like when you have two incomes and, and, or two people drawing on a credit card, you, it sort of becomes necessary. But, but the, the, the structure of just having it sort of come off the top has been, has been helpful, I guess, uh, for us. And then if... Um, and then if we, if we do well on our budget, um, we might have some money that's like left over and that goes to like a travel fund or like sort of a free spending fund. Uh, and if we don't do well, well then that gets, that gets a zero or a negative. You know, it sort of pulls out of that. So, so that's sort of for us the motivation because we're sinful, selfish people <laughs> to, uh, uh, to do well on our budget is, uh, is so that we can spend, you know, save some money for travel and things like that. Because to Jen's point, I think God does want us to enjoy, you know, enjoy money and enjoy some of these things, right? 
Um, he's given it to us for our enjoyment and also that we can be open-handed and generous with it. You know, and, uh, and I think he just wants us to be good stewards and to make sure our heart is in the right place. I don't know, is there anything else you wanted to share? It just, it's, we call it a community fund. It's the wine item in our very um, extravagant spreadsheet. Um, but to me, it's like the funnest thing that I have this amount and we get, you know, for example, Jackie's school, there was a real, there were some real desperate needs around Christmas time. Get an eat text from her and I, I have money already set aside and I can just send it out. Like that, I love that because all, it's not like, oh shoot, okay, well this month, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like we've already planned for that and I think sometimes planning allows us to be more generous and we underestimate that. Um, and sometimes it feels contrived because we're budgeting to be generous, but I think it really gives us the freedom to be generous when we are careful that way. Mm. So I'm really, and Jeff leads the way in that and I'm grateful for that. Um, so to sort of end on an inspiring note, um, you can turn with me to Luke 7 and verse 36. Um, this is a well-known example of the woman anointing Jesus. And so in the context of tonight, as we read it, just think about what might stand out to you about this woman's heart and the gift she gave. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Then he turned toward the woman. Oh, so then they have a discussion um, about, and he, he, he shares a parable because the, the, everyone at the house was like, oh my gosh, you know who this woman is? You know, what's going on here? Um, and really turned their nose up at her offering. And he says, um, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet her feet, my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. I mean, the words that stand out to me, you know, it was this, this perfume, you know, scholars estimate was very valuable. This wasn't, this wasn't just like, oh my, you know, $30 perfume that I got out of, you know, whatever, Dillard's, um, that I'm coming to pour on. This was like a prized possession, maybe one of the, this woman's most valuable possessions. And she brings it and just pour, I mean, you're supposed to use like a drop of this and she just pours this on Jesus in this incredible act. And I mean, this was, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but this was like so out of place. Like she should have never been entering the room with all these men, much less her status in society. Um, totally inappropriate to just begin serving him this way, this very intimate act of anointing him and washing um, his feet, I mean, I, I can't imagine if I came here with Mike Polk and just started like, you know, washing my, your feet with my, with my hair. I mean, it's Be pretty weird. I need longer hair too to do that, but <laughs> I get kind of awkward. Um, but, but it was this incredible, vulnerable, intimate yeah. expression to Jesus. And I think what an incredible heart of generosity in this woman, but what inclined her to do this? 
You know, why would she do this? Why would she waste this? I mean, and the disciples and other accounts get upset. Like, we could have given that to the poor. Like, what's up with that, you know? And, um, but she had this extravagant desire or this, this desire to give this extravagant gift to Jesus. And she clearly showed him her value of him. You know, how much she valued him in the way that she treated him and the sort of gift she brought. And I mean, Jesus explains it later. He says, the reason she did this for me is because she was forgiven much. She got the grace that she had received. She got the generosity that Jesus had shown her by giving her a shot, by forgiving her, by give, and we, I mean, it's mysterious, like what preceded this, you know, but I'm sure that she had some encounter with Jesus or the scriptures that led her to, to, to feel this so desperately in her heart. And I also think about how many obstacles she overcame to, you know, she could have had so many excuses, like, oh, I really wanna go do this thing, but, you know, it's all men in there, you know, Pharisee is never gonna let me in that house. And I mean, just all the things she could have said. Um, if I waste this perfume, then I'll have nothing really that I could like sell in a pinch or something, you know. Um, so I think we can all have excuses. We can all face obstacles. Um, but our, our, that deep-seated understanding of God's value in us and what he's done for us inclines us. Um, and I think, you know, if you have found yourself in the course of tonight going, oh, you know, some of those things he mentioned, you know, what Jesus valued, am I giving to that? I'm not really giving to that. Then I think where you have to go back and check your heart is not so much like, okay, let me work on my budget, but why am I gonna choose to do this? You know, and, and, and really get it in your heart, God's generosity to you, because it should flow from that. You know, that that, that, that any occasion we're being asked to be generous, that we'll be inclined. So if the church asks us to be generous, we'll be generous. If the poor, you know, need our generosity, we'll be generous. Um, and, I, and I love the definition of generosity. To be generous is, is to give, to be inclined to give more than what is expected or sort of the bare minimum. It's not that like, okay, uh, here's my 10% or here's my, you know, but it's like, how can I give more? You know, show me. And I mean, sometimes we've prayed that when we were deciding which organizations to kind of invest in. But then like all these opportunities came out of the woodworks, like give to this, give to that, you know, give to this. And hey, we need your money over here. God will give you opportunities to be generous. <laughs> There's no short supply of those. Um, and I love here just to wrap back with Matthew 6, you know, no moth or rust could touch what she did for Jesus. You know, if we buy a house, you know, whatever. That house is gonna get old. We're gonna outgrow it. It's gonna break down. Um, it's gonna lose its luster probably after the first couple months of living there. You know, that's not what's gonna make that. But what's gonna make it valuable is how we use that house for God, the family we build there, the, the times we pray there. Like, those are the treasures we're building up. And um, her treasure is safely and forever stored up in heaven. It's permanent. It's no one can touch it. So I just, let's all pray to grow in our extravagance to Jesus, to align our hearts with what Jesus values and to grow in this grace of giving. Let's really be transformed in our hearts of generosity. That's our lesson. Amen. So I'll say a prayer and then uh, Carrie's gonna come up and close us and then we'll be done for the evening. God, thank you so much uh, for your generosity. You are a God who 
for one reason or another has decided to give everything to us. Uh, to give your own son, to give your own flesh and blood, uh, to take our place, to give us access to you, perfect access to you. Uh, you have given us your Holy Spirit, which is inside of us. Uh, you have given us a deposit of heaven forever. Um, our names uh, in Christ are written in the book of life. The gifts that you have given us are, we're still trying to comprehend them. We're trying to wrap our head around them. And I pray that you would help us to understand your love and your generosity and your depth. Uh, God, help us to keep our eyes on you and not on ourselves, not on this world, not on the things that this world has to offer us, not the treasures of this world, but God, help us to see you and to see how valuable you are, how much we should treasure you. And, and transform our hearts, God. Help us to, to be aligned with the things that you love, the church, the poor, the gospel, and many other things that you care about. God, help us, to, help us to be aligned with that. Help us to be aligned with you and in harmony with you. And where there is uh, stumbling blocks in our way, be God and remove those blocks. Where there are scales on our eyes, be God and remove those scales. Help us to see you, God. Help us to see how valuable and beautiful you are. And help us just to have open hands and to enjoy this life that you've given us to enjoy. Thank you so much for this time of fellowship with the brothers and sisters. And we pray all this in your son's name, amen.